Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. I believe it was Carl Bart who said that the preacher ought to preach with a newspaper in one hand and a Bible in the other. And this morning to Carl Bart, I say, I don't know that I have the strength. Any time that there are sort of landmark changes in society, oftentimes people look to people like me to say, what is it I'm supposed to think about it? And I have to be honest with you, my own thoughts are so varied and confusing that I don't even know what to say or to think. I think that sometimes in our society, and our culture demands a space of contemplation and of thought rather than reaction. But, but our culture does not value reflection and contemplation. I say that to just simply name an elephant that is in the room and to tell you that I am not going to give you my thoughts about the decision from the Supreme Court on Friday. For those who are interested in it, um, Bishop Polson released what I think is a very fine letter that um, accurately summarizes the Episcopal um, approach uh, to this. Um, I will also say that in the Episcopal Church, unlike other churches, I have and there is no authoritative teaching which requires you to believe certain things. We only simply have the prayers of the church to guide our vision, the scriptures to guide our imaginations. So, to the sermon that I had written. <laughs> if I ever feel unsure about my pastoral skills, I only need to read the gospel lesson from today. The disciples are angry because the Samaritans have not welcomed them, and they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, surely we can pour fire down upon the city. Three people who are seeking to be disciples of Jesus come up to him, and the first one, Jesus says, okay, fine, follow me, but you're not going to have anywhere to lay your head. You're going to be a homeless, itinerant person, and if that's what you want, fine, follow me. To the second one, he says, look, you don't have time to go to your father's funeral. Let the dead bury their dead. You follow me now. And to a third, he says, there's no time for you to go say goodbye. Come on, we got to get somewhere. My good friend Scott Gunn, who's director of Forward Movement, always challenges Christians because he says Christians want to reduce Jesus to a nice person. And he says, I want you to show me a time in which Jesus is ever nice. Jesus, he says, is loving. But that doesn't always come across as nice. The issue that the gospel presents to us this morning is whether the gospel takes priority in our own life or does it receive second billing. 
I don't know if you are like me, but you watch a TV show or a movie, and in one hand you have IMDb open, trying to figure out where it was that you saw that actor or actress before. <laughs> it used to be a regular part of negotiations to say who got top billing and who got subsequent billing. In the TV show, who got to be seen in the opening credits and whose names were at the beginning of the show and whose names got seen at the end of the show? This is in essence what Jesus is asking. What, what billing do you place the gospel in your life? What importance does the kingdom of God have for you in your life? In the Old Testament story, when Elijah passes the mantle of prophecy upon Elisha, what is Elisha's response? He goes and he destroys the tool of agriculture that he depended on for his livelihood in order to do what Elijah has asked him to do. He doesn't go and sell his oxen where he could have received a handsome sum. No, he goes and he kills the oxen and then he boils them to make sure that nothing is left. What importance does the kingdom of God have in your life? Is the good news so good for you that it receives top billing? There was once a young man who wanted to pray, so he goes up to a mountain to ask the wise hermit, how do I pray? The wise hermit immediately takes the young man by the hand, takes him over to the river that was running by his hut, and he puts his head into the water, holding his head underwater while the young man struggles. He finally lets the young man out of the water and he's panting and grasping for air. And the wise man says, when you want to pray as much as you wanted to breathe, come see me and I'll teach you. And that's essentially what Jesus is asking the people who come to him and say, hey, I want to be your disciple. Do you want to follow me, Jesus wants to know? Do you want to follow me as much as you want to breathe? We have a parishioner who a couple of years ago left her profession to go and become a nurse. She was knew that that's what God wanted her to do. That's where her passion was, and she worked hard on it, working a full-time job and going to school full-time in order to get her various degrees. She's been an LPN for the last couple of years as she continued to apply to become an RN. She had given up all hope, and finally, finally, she got that letter of acceptance. And I said, oh, that's just like Rudy. And she goes, who? And I said, Rudy, you know, the guy who wants to play football for the University of Notre Dame, and he leaves his house, and he goes to, to school, but he can only get into the community college. Rudy. She had never heard of Rudy. How are we to overcome things in our life if we have not seen Rudy? Rudy. 
Rudy had desire and he had passion. He had work ethic. He was doing everything he could. He goes to the wise priest who has counseled him and said, all there is left to do is to pray. Rudy's story shows what happens when you want something as much as you want to breathe. And, and this is what Luke's point is, is that, is that the human condition is so painful and the response that Jesus gives to call us to a, soul, a, a single-minded focus on the gospel, to follow Jesus as much as we want to breathe, to place the gospel in top order, in top billing. But what about us who are not Rudy's? What about us who sit there, we watch the movie, and we go, yes, and then we fall back into our ways? What about the man who says, you know what, I don't know if I can be homeless and follow Jesus? What about the man who says, but I've got to go to my father's funeral? Or the other one who says, I've got to go and say goodbye to my family? What about those of us who can't do what Jesus seems to ask? What about those that the mantle of the kingdom is just a little bit too tough? Are we out of luck? What if we falter and stumble in life? Is there no hope for us? And I think this is a key portion of today's gospel. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's what Luke begins the gospel story with. He turns his face to Jerusalem. What Jesus does is he faces Jerusalem, telling us he's taking this final journey. A journey that we can't take ourselves as much as we would like to be the soul-minded, single-minded, Rudy-type Christian, we can't. And there's some really good in the news in this because it means that you're not God. But Jesus is. So if you fall away for a long time or a little time, if you stumble every single day, Jesus is still there with arms wide open. I don't know how many of you all have ever seen the movie Romero based upon Oscar Romero, who was a Catholic bishop in El Salvador. Romero was bishop in a time in which the government hated the Catholic church and there was violence and persecution against believers. Romero was an academic and when he was named bishop, people sat there and said, he's a bookworm. What the heck is he ever going to be able to do in a country like this? For a long time, Romero stumbled. He didn't want to upset the power brokers to be, so he deferred the safety that sometimes being quiet could offer rather than confront the military. But then in this moment, he has a turn through the power of the Holy Spirit that is captured really powerfully in this film. Romero arrives at a church where two of the priests have been murdered by the El Salvadoran military. And he goes to take possession of the sacrament in the church. The soldier who guards the church opens fire, spraying bullets upon the altar. And Romero leaves. 
10 minutes later, he turns his car back around, he drives up, he walks, and he's not, this time he's not alone. Other priests of the villagers, the villagers all follow him into the church where he goes and he gets the sacraments. He turns to the people and he says, I have come to take possession of the church and to strengthen those whom the enemy has trampled down. Jesus is crucified in you. Several weeks later, Romero was celebrating the mass when soldiers enter into the church, open fire and killing Romero. Romero was not a superhero. Romero was one who was loved by Jesus, just like you and me. Amen. Amen.